Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Hey, Dulos Youth, we are so excited to be with you again this Sunday. I have the same two special guests that I had last week, Cole and Kelly are back again for Esther chapter two. And uh, before we jump in, you know, we got to do it. We got to play a little game. So there's this meme that's going around that I've seen. I know I'm the old guy, but uh, where it's got Bill Clinton holding an album and you're supposed to like say what album is Clinton holding for you or whatever sort of thing like that. So we're going to, we're going to ask that this is a two-parter today. Okay. So you're going to have to give me the album that Bill Clinton's holding in your life. That sounds really weird. And number two, (laughs) tell me one thing that you've enjoyed about quarantine, like this unexpected reality in your life that you're like, wow, this is really special, this is really meaningful, whatever that is. All right, so a fun one and slightly serious one. Who wants it first? I know that Cole has already done this, um, I believe on Instagram. So I'm gonna let you okay. do it first. Okay. Go, go for it. Yeah. The the <laughs> album that I would have uh, Clinton hold is "Only by the Night" by Kings of Leon. Phenomenal album. I'm a bass player. Jared Fallowhill's bass lines are great. They're wonderful. Not too much. Um, they just sit there well. Some songs to check out. Um, Cold Desert is is the greatest song of all time, okay. perhaps. <laughs> I mean, all I've got time? some. Are you kidding me? I love that song. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but things that things that quarantine has made me enjoy um, overall, just time with my family. Um, like specifically, my family is my wife and my dog. Outside of like my mom and my dad and everything, but um, it's been real good just spending time with my wife um, and and my dog. Like life has just slowed down. Um, where Allison's like baking cookies now too. It's really nice. <laughs> and he eats them all the time. I do. All the time. Does your dog get to eat the cookies no, since he's part no, of your no. family? I don't believe in it's dogs weird. eating people food. Do so. you? But you believe in dogs having people terms like family? Yeah. Like okay. if he wants to come okay. and lay in the bed with us, come on up, dog. <laughs> all right. I love my dog. All right, Kelly, let's move on. <laughs> okay. The album that I would choose would have to be, gosh, I... I love Spice Girls. No. Okay. Insane. Good guess. Good. Another really good guess, but no. Uh, I would have to say probably the At Midnight EP by Elevation. Um, okay. I, that is I a good one. I really, really like that one. That one's on repeat right now. Um, and then I would have to agree with, with Cole about what I'm enjoying about quarantine. I don't get to see my husband. Like, when life is normal, we see each other Monday and Saturday. So we're seeing each other every day, yeah. which is really cool. And just we have two dogs as well. So are, are your dogs in your family? Yeah, I'd say they're oh, part of nah, my family. Yeah. I mean, we don't have children. So what yeah. are we supposed to do? <laughs> Not refer to a dog as a child. He's my homie. He's my homie. Okay, I'll give you that. That's <laughs> I right. would not call him like my child, but that's good. I just said we don't have children, so we have um, yeah. dogs. Matt's album would be Maynard Ferguson. Maynard Ferguson. Maynard Ferguson. Actually, I was going to go different than Maynard, although I have like every album of Maynard Ferguson, which maybe there's like two of you that know what that is. Doubt it. Um, but it would actually be Stan Kenton live at Redlands University. The top track on that is Hey Jude. It was right after the Beatles released Hey Jude. And they did this big band version of it, and it is, it is phenomenal. 
It's, it's really good. So I know all my band nerds out there, go look it up. I promise you, you'll love it. When they start taking it up an octave at the end, Caleb, my boy, go check it out. It's good stuff, all right? Um, I would say what's unexpected to, like, obviously I've loved all the time with my family and getting to do all that. And my dogs. <laughs> but uh, That's good. I, I think what's really been unexpected is I've, I've really enjoyed um, my, my youth connect group specifically mm-hmm. and on Zoom. Like I, yeah. I wasn't thinking I would enjoy it as much as I did, um, but it's like the coolest thing in the world to get to, in the middle of this weird time, to get to connect with our kids online and and do that and see them and check in on them um it's just really cool it's been good yeah i think i tell my girls every week that i miss them so much like it like you get so used to them being in your home and then that's not an option anymore so you really do miss that that interaction having people around so good stuff all right well before we jump into Esther two i want to pray for us and uh then we'll start all right father thank you for today we thank you uh, for everybody that's watching And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would use this time today that we spend together, uh, even though it's in a little bit of a virtual format, uh, that God, we we acknowledge that your presence is everywhere. And so we ask that your spirit would move in our lives as we teach, but Lord, in the lives of every person that's that's watching, that this wouldn't just be something they watch like a TV show, uh, but that would be something that would be life-changing for them, that you would reveal things to them from your word that perhaps they haven't seen before, that you would speak directly to their life in a way that they need to be spoken to, and that, Lord, most of all, that the time we spend together today would change our lives and, as a result, help us to change other people's lives. So bless this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Esther chapter 2. Here we are. Uh, I know we've, we've challenged everybody to make sure they're, they're caught up reading or needing to know where we're going. So let's, uh, let's just jump right in. Kelly, can you set the scene for us on what's happening as Esther chapter 2 starts? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So again, we have another very mature chapter, yeah. um, not PG-13. It's, it's that mature thing again. Um, but it's been about three years. So the, the king has gotten rid of the queen and he's been super angry just for three (laughs) three years years. for three years just really that's quite the temper tantrum yes that is um and then he's like hey i don't have a queen he like remembers that all of a sudden because his anger is kind of going away and he's like i need a queen so he decides to tell all of his his friends um not necessarily his friends but the what would you call them the the king's young men who yes, attended him. There you go. <laughs> the young men who attended him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He told them to go get all of the virgins and all of the provinces of Susa. Yeah. And so that's just so many women. Um, and he is going to bring them in one by one. Um, they're going to receive their beauty treatments for about a year. And then they're going to come into to the king's bedroom and win his favor or not. And then he will decide who the queen is. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, the, the reality of this situation, I know when I went to India uh, in 2014, they had this um, village for girls that had been raped. Mm-hmm. Um, because in India still today, there, there's such a 
um, I don't know the right word for it. They're, they're outcasts of society. So yeah. like if you, if you lose your virginity and, and all that, like no man wants you. Yeah. And so these girls would go to the mission that we supported and they would stay there, some of them just for nine months mm -hmm. because I got raped, I'm having, a, I'm having a baby. And as soon as they'd have that baby, they'd give the baby up for orphan, uh, to an orphanage mm -hmm. and then go back and act like nothing just ever happened. And I mean, it's just this crazy, heart-wrenching yeah. experience. Yeah. That's what this is, yep. where these, all the girls from the kingdom, all the virgins come and it's just for the king to find his next queen mm -hmm. and go through this whole beauty school thing. And you're like, what? Yeah. And I think one interesting thing to point out is you say all of that, but like once they sleep with the king, mm -hmm. that's it. Like they're not going to ever be with another man. They're now a concubine living in his house, maybe to never see him again in their lifetime, but they're stuck there. They don't ever get to have a family. Husband, yeah, nothing. and that's the like that's in the text where it talks yeah. about they're in this one they're in this one building this one harem at first then after they go and see the king yeah they get put in a different one and it's just it's a crazy really just heartbreaking mm. situation that you're reading about and and we have those in our society and I think I think when you hear stuff like this sometimes it's it's easy for us to just get depressed and go. And how could God do anything in a situation like that? Yeah. But the point is that we all got to look at, and you'll see this on the screen. We'd love for you to take notes. It's that we can trust God even when life doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like there, there will be things that happen to you in life that you look at and you go, I don't know how God could be in this. Yeah. I, I, I've unfortunately had to do four funerals. Um, for teenagers that have committed suicide. Those are really hard. Yeah. And, and it's really difficult to, to go and talk to a family immediately after that and go, God has a purpose in this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And there's just times when the brokenness of this world makes you go, how? how? How is God going to use this? How's God going to do that? And so I, I think it's powerful for us to remember this because we do know where it goes with Esther, right? right. We're not going to get there yet, yeah. but we know where it goes. And just to understand we can trust God even when life doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. So Cole, take us, take us to the next part. We find a new character, right? Yeah, yeah. We get a new character introduced in uh, verse 5. And so it says, Now there was a Jew in Susa the citadel, whose name was Mordecai. And so there's one of our main characters right there. His name is Mordecai. Now, what's, what's interesting uh, about what's going on here is, is Mordecai is a Jew, and, and that's fine, but what's interesting is where we find him because it says that he's in Susa, the citadel. So what that was um, was, was where politicians went, right? So it was like a place of of power. Um, it really wasn't a place that you'd expect to find a Jew, right? Like in, in these times around this, this Persian empire, um, Jewish people were kind of off and isolated by themselves. They were completely separated. They didn't have anything to, to do with this whole Persian empire. And so to find out that in, in the middle of, of this evil world, right there in the political center of it, 
is one of God's people is, is kind of shocking, um, but, but that's what we find right here in the next section. Yeah, and I know there's not, there's not a lot of information on how we got there yeah. or anything like that, and so we got to read into the text a little bit, um, but it's interesting to me that he finds himself in this place that not just to all of us, but I think even to Mordecai, it's, it's a pretty unexpected place. Yeah. Right? And point number two, you'll see it on the screen again, take notes, um, is just that God, sometimes God puts us in unexpected places. And Cole, um, give us some, some insight on that, about how sometimes God just uses people that you would never expect, and he uses them in a place that you would never expect. And where I think it really becomes relevant to us is I don't think any of us expected 2020 to look like this. Yeah. Like, when Kobe died, we all were like, okay, 2020 sucks. <laughs> and now... We've been in quarantine for six weeks, yeah. yeah, and no one ever thought it was going to be this long. We never thought we'd be doing stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. So just like Mordecai finds himself in this un unexpected place, what do you think it means for us when we look at it and we go, man, sometimes God puts people in unexpected places because none of us expected to be here, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that it, it definitely affects us here in the in the in the quarantine, right? Like we none of us expected to be here. But I know for me personally, since this quarantine has happened, I've had the privilege of baptizing, I don't know, a handful of people. And those people, I think I only baptized them because of what's going on in this time. Because there was this, they were so open to God. This one guy had a Jehovah's Witness background, right? So he was a completely other religion. But because of this, he's saying, okay, something's, something's going on here. I, I need to be baptized in the Christian church. Um, and so I would never have guessed that in the middle of all this pain, in the middle of all this confusion, in the middle of all this really darkness, that, that God would do something. Um, but God's been using me in that way as a, as a pastor, right? Like putting me in these places where I can minister to people and um, have it be like baptizing. I, I would say too, um, I know you asked him to answer, but... You're good. Uh, <laughs> something that's been really cool too is, um, so for Crossroads for Easter, we had challenged a lot of our people to share their testimony. Yep. And first of all, that probably wouldn't have happened if we weren't in quarantine. Second of all, because that's happened, so many people, um, I've just talked to, I mean, my, mainly my adult connect group, my husband, they've had conversations with people because they share their testimony. Yeah. And, and that's all because of quarantine. You know, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. So yeah. another really cool thing yeah. that God did. It, it's like my, uh, my youngest son, Levi. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I've never been home on Easter Saturday yeah. with my family since my boys have been alive because we're always doing these huge outdoor Easter services. And that day I was home all day. Yeah. And we talked and went through Jesus literally all day long. And um, it was pretty cool. So um, I, the, the other thing that I would say on that is we, we look at uh, this time when we're in quarantine. And I, I told the staff on Tuesday and you know, God never wastes a season. There's not a season of your life that's pointless. And I know that it can be discouraging 
I, I think of the class of 2020, and uh, you know, I was talking to talking to one of our seniors this last week, and I and I told him from from the youth ministry's perspective, like we're not we're not going to let it just be the worst thing for you. We're going to find a way yeah. to uh, to make this still be good, but you know, I, I know that it can be discouraging. I know that it can be difficult, but I, I I love this because I think it really does matter to understand that God sometimes puts people in unexpected places. Yeah. And what you'll find is he has a purpose for you there. And we're going to see that in a moment with Mordecai. But let's keep going in the text. Um, Kelly, in, in verse 7 of yeah. chapter 2, mm-hmm. we find our main character we finally. Do. She Yay. shows up. So um, <laughs> if you want to read verse 7. Yeah, sure. No problem. And, and talk a little bit about Esther, and yeah. then we'll, we'll keep going. Okay. So verse 7 says, He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So... Um, so they're cousins, and because her parents have passed away, Mordecai decides to step up and be her dad. Um, and she's gorgeous. You know, yeah. she's a beautiful woman. Um, Esther. Um, she's a beautiful figure. Yes, she does. <laughs> the Bible says. Yes, beautiful figure. <laughs> yes, and lovely to look at. You just couldn't pass that up. <laughs> she, I'm just like, that's so good. <laughs> I know the guys in my connect group will love that verse. Yeah. You're going to underline it. I think every guy in the oh, world loves that that's there. That one's for Robbie. But, but just realize, fellas, I mean, you should only love to look at the beautiful figure of your wife someday. Okay? Yes. Let's not, let's, right. not get, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. That's right. All right, here we go. Keep going. Um, yes. So, um, so she's one of the women, obviously, that's called in for this huge, you know, mission that the king is on to find his new queen. Yeah. So she um, is coming in to um, the king's palace. Haggai, the eunuch, is going to take care of her, give her the beauty treatment she needs, um, and, and make sure she wins the favor of the king. I think an important thing about her name is that it references the word hidden, which I think is really interesting because yeah. we talk so much about how God is hidden in this, in this book of the Bible. Um, but that's a cool reference to her name, I think. Absolutely. It, it's almost uh, a cool reference to her purpose, too. Yeah. You know, that there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a really good thing about it. So Esther grows up in this world. She's an orphan without her parents. Um, and she gets taken out of her home because she's a virgin, mm-hmm. brought into the king's palace, all this sort of stuff. I mean, it is just such a crazy story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the brokenness that she has to be feeling, the, yeah. I mean, this traumatizing experience, right? Worldliness all around her, and like, how in the world do you do you even find yourself being able to be used here? Like, how, mm. how, how do you think that God's going to be able to bring anything about in such a terrible situation? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to me. But there's, there's an interesting part in there, and in, uh, in I think it's verse 9, 
You want to give that to us, Kelly? Yeah. It says, and the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. So this is Haggai, the eunuch, that is the one that's making sure all the women have everything they need. But there's something about her that intrigues him. and And he wants to provide whatever she needs to win the favor of the king. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because it reminds me a little bit of Joseph. Yeah. You know, when you yeah. look at Joseph's just terrible yeah. story in Genesis, and you see, man, no matter where he is, if it's in Potiphar's house, he gets raised up. If it's in the jail, in prison, yeah. he gets raised up to be in charge of everybody else. And then eventually in Pharaoh's household, and there's just that something about him, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I think I think point three what's good for us to remember is that God can use anyone or anything to bring about his plan. In the middle of this terrible situation, God is using this young woman, this beautiful young woman, uh, to bring about his plan. And, And I know there's times when we're all like, man, what's your spiritual gifts and what are you, you know, what are you able to do? And I I don't want in any way to say that the only quality Esther had Mm -hmm. was the fact that she was pretty, but it is what's dominant here. And what, what God is using to make the the King notice her, Mm -hmm. which is crazy that God's going to use that Mm -hmm. to bring about his plan. And, um, you know, I I just, I think that's a powerful message for us to realize that God can use anything and anyone to bring about his plan. Yeah. And I think especially because I think the devil does everything to try and convince us otherwise. The devil will always try and convince us that because of this, whether that be because I don't have a testimony, God can't use me. Because I've sinned, God can't use me. But the devil does everything he he can to convince us that there's no way that God can use us. Because you look at Esther and you're like, okay, She's broken. She's an orphan. Wow. She's a yeah. Jew in a place where Jews really weren't accepted. No one really wanted God's people around. There's no way that, that God's going to be able to use her, right? Yeah. Like, she's not positioned where she should be. Yeah. No. But there's God, yeah. and, and He's doing something. And, and I think that that's true in, in all of our students' lives. Don't, they don't need to buy the lie that they can't be used. No matter what they've done, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, God can use them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Satan loves to remind us of all of the, the sins and mistakes that we've made, and Jesus loves to remind us of the fact that he forgave us of all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, grace is what defines Jesus, where guilt is what defines Satan. That's yep. good. And, yeah. uh, you know, we just have to, we have to remember that. Yeah. So, the story moves on, and it really brings up a, a struggle that we all have, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where we talk about worldliness, and... Like, how, how much of, of the world can you allow in your life before it becomes too much? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, it's the same old question that everyone always wants the answer to. You know, how far is too far? You know, what can I do and it still be okay? Like, how, how far can I go and I'm still, I'm still a Christian, I'm still able to go to heaven? Like, what's that line? And... There's, there's just a lot of things that Esther struggles with. So give me a little bit of the story of what's going on, where Esther finds herself in this, and how that put potentially applies to us and our, our quest to, uh, <laughs> to determine, you know, 
how far is too far, how much is too much, those sort of things. Who wants it? I mean, I can start. Go I think, it. yeah, you look at where both of our, our main characters are at, right? So you've got Mordecai, who he's in Susa the Citadel, right? So he's like in this political piece. So it begs the question, can God's people be in politics? Can God's people be that close in, in the, the minglings of the world, right? And then you look at Esther. Now she's in the king's palace. She's in the center of, of worldliness. And so we look at where these people are positioned and we're like, have they gone too far? Yeah. And so it's the, the, the question that, that we ask ourselves, right? Like, can we as Christians go to this house party mm-hmm. and still be a Christian? Yeah. But um, I'm not going to drink. And I'm not going to drink. You know, where, where's too far? Yeah. You know, I'm just going to talk to people that are drunk about Jesus. You know, like, but, <laughs> but we, we always want to play the game of how far is too far. And you look at Mordecai and Esther and like, they're, they're deep. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty far. They're, they're pretty deep into this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it just has us ask the, those same questions. Where are we? Mm. Where are you at right now? You're, you're not in Susa the Citadel. You're not in the King's Palace. But, but where are you? Yeah. What have, you, what have you had to do to, to gain the status that you have? Yeah. yeah. And you know? have you gone too far? Yep. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I was reading in here in some of our notes. It says the average person, according to one study, checks his or her phone 85 times a day and spends about five hours a day using apps or browsing online. I know you guys have all done like the It's probably, time probably doubled now oh, yeah. in, in quarantine. Yeah. But even, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, realizing that is nearly one third of someone's life while they're awake mm. is spent on a phone, all those sort of things. So when, when you look at you look at the consumer culture that we have, very similar to Persia, right? Where we're, we are so drawn in to secular culture, to worldliness, those type things. Where do, we, where do we find ourselves where we can still have a voice, we can still speak out for Jesus, or do we become slaves to our culture and we, we give in? Is there, you guys have any have any tips, any ideas, any things that, that have helped you to go, hey, I still like this cool stuff, but I know I shouldn't be doing this, you know? Yeah. Like First John 2 says, do not love the world or anything in the world, for the world and its desires pass away, but he who does the will of God will live forever. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, so I can't love anything in the world. Is that what the Bible's teaching us? Like, where do you, where do you find yourself? So I think... Um, when you say that verse, I immediately think of Jesus talking and talking about us being the light of the world, okay? Yep. And um, we are placed here on purpose. You've alluded to that and the points you've made. We're, we're here to be used by God. And, you know, something really silly. I don't think I've shared this with you, you guys, but last season in my Connect group, all of my girls um, were talking about TikTok a ton. And I know that that's a really popular app. And I, I hadn't gotten it yet, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get it just to see what's on there. And Did I, you do it during quarantine? No, it was right before, okay, right before okay. quarantine. <laughs> and um, I, I have started looking at it, but it is so easy to waste so much time on that thing. And um, there's some really funny things on there, but then there's some things on there that are just not glorifying to God. That is not the light that we're supposed to be, you know? And so I think there is this 
you've got to find that balance. And, and y'all both said it, you know, how far is too far? And sometimes I think to myself, is this bringing me closer to God? Or is it bringing, you know, taking me further away? Absolutely. That is something that I have to do constantly because it is easy to get that consumer mentality where you do like, oh, I do want to go see that movie. Everybody's talking about it or that really cool show on HBO or Netflix. Like, yeah, I really want to watch it. But is that going to going to help me be the light that I'm supposed to be? Um, that, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think that with any question, right, there's, can a Christian have TikTok? Can a Christian have Instagram? Um, because we talked about it the first week, right? Like all the same as where their culture was, we use Instagram to build ourselves up and be prideful. Yeah. So you have these questions. Can a Christian do this? Can a Christian do that? Um, I think that Paul said it well in 1 Corinthians 9. Um, he says, but though I am free from all, like, in Jesus, we have the freedom to live our lives, Absolutely. right? But he keeps going. He says, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. So those under the law, I became as one under the law. To those outside the law, he goes on, on and on. To the weak, I became weak. To the strong, I became strong. But here he goes, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And so I think that there's this piece, like you were saying, of, of the why. Why mm. behind what we do? Yeah. And why, why do you have an Instagram? Is it to build yourself up or is it an opportunity to share your testimony yeah. during Easter where Absolutely. now people are asking you about who Jesus is? Yeah. But we have to be careful too, though, right? Yeah, like, of because there's this yeah. other side of it of, okay, so as a Christian, then then I drink to tell other people about Jesus. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, yeah. check your motives here. Right. Well, there's two extremes, right? Yeah. There's, there's conformity yeah. where you are just like the world. Yeah. And then the other side, you're nothing like the world. You're in total isolation. So yeah. you're, you're the monk that's up in the mountains of Asia <laughs> because you can't be near any kind of you know, fleshly desire and all that sort of stuff. So you don't, you don't do anything. And I, I don't think the right choice is to ever reject culture and say, man, there's no way that a Christian should have this, that, whatever. There's some things I choose to not do. I never got Snapchat. I'll never get a TikTok. But that doesn't make me a better Christian than anybody. Yeah. It's just not right for me. Yeah. I just haven't, haven't thought it's the right thing. Yeah. Now, the, the thing that we have to remember, and this is, this is our, our point, point four, is that we can't become so much like the world that the difference between us and the world isn't noticeable. Like Kelly mentioned it. It's what Jesus said. He said, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Matthew 5. And then he says, you're the light of the world. Let your, let your light shine before men so that they can see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. You know, and when we, when we don't have the opportunity for our light to shine because we've darkened that light so much, yeah. And we've tried to just blend in with the world because we've become so worldly, then we've missed the point. Yeah. And, you know, there, there is a difficult thing when you read through here and you read Esther's story, and I encourage all of you to do it because we're not going through every verse. But, you know, she, she has to do some things that aren't what God would ever call us to do. And I wouldn't even go as far as God called her to do it. I feel like God still was able to use her through it. And, and all of that, but it, it's, it's a different situation. You know, Esther wasn't a Christian. This is before Jesus. Yeah. This, is, this is the story of the Jewish people, of, of God, God bringing them through this. 
but for us as believers living under the new covenant, and we're not, we're not living our lives in such a way so that we can get saved and get to heaven, we work from the cross forward rather than every other religion that goes, well, everything in life is just me trying to get ready for heaven, right? Like I'm going to do all these good works and it's going to make me, make me get there. Mm-hmm. It's what Jesus has done. And from there, now we live our lives. So yeah. we, don't, we don't do works so that we can be saved. We do works because we've been saved. Yeah. Yeah. And so because of his great love for us, now we do these things. Yeah. And it, it's a different situation than Esther, but it's still something that's really important for us to talk about because that desire of the flesh is there in every generation. It's there in every culture. And even though it looks different now with all the struggles that, that youth face today, we still had them when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. We still had the same pressures. We still had the same temptations. We still have them today. Mm -hmm. They're different, but there's still temptations to go and be like the world. And, and we just can't do that. Yeah. And we can't isolate either, exactly. right? Yeah. If exactly. you isolate yourself as a Christian, you're not going to... Not going to be able to have a testimony. Yeah, you yeah. can't have a you testimony. You can't connect. Yeah, you can't connect with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's finish it up. Uh, Cole, read verse 23 okay. for us. And then uh, just explain a little bit about what Mordecai finds out at the end of the end of the chapter here. Okay. Um Verse 23, uh, when the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of Chronicles in the presence of the king. So what had happened in this little section is Mordecai, like we said, he was in this political center. So he's here, and he's, he starts to hear that there's a, a plot against the king's life, that someone wants to, to kill the king. So he, he goes to Esther, because remember, he's, they've got a great relationship. He's raised her, and he says, hey, someone's trying to tell, kill the king. Tell him. She tells him, finds out those two men get killed. Um, but the important piece here is it says that it's recorded in the book of Chronicles. Um, now, now, here's why it's important. Can I, can I skip ahead like yeah. a little bit? Okay, yeah. so <laughs> if you get into Esther chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, I don't know if the king was just really bored one day, um, but the king starts reading the book of Chronicles. Not something the king would ever do, um, but he reads, and he reads that Mordecai had found this out. And he starts to think to himself, did we ever reward this guy for saving me? Yeah. And they were like, no. And he's like, we got to bring this guy in. Yeah. And, and I don't want to give away too much of the story because it's, it's incredible what happens there. But all that to say, it's a simple little detail in the Bible written in the book of Chronicles. But it's so much more. It's it's this piece that shows us that God is absolutely doing something. Yeah, and I think think that's something that we all need to hear, Yeah. right? Because there's times, we did a study called The Story years ago. Mm -hmm. I think you were in youth group when we did it. Yeah, I love that series. Yeah. So... And it was this whole premise that there's this lower story going on that a lot of times doesn't make sense. It's like you're putting a puzzle together and you're missing pieces. And you're like, this doesn't go together. What's <laughs> happening? Where God is, has, has this upper story where it all flows together and it's all perfect. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really cool about Scripture, about Esther's story, is we can look ahead to chapter 6. And we can know, here's point number 5, that God is still present 
even when he feels absent. Yeah. And so you read this chapter and it feels like, uh, <laughs> God, you in this yeah. at all? Like this is a, this is a tough situation. Yeah. This isn't something that you look at and go, oh man, powerful story of God's grace. Yeah. You look at it and go, we've got an orphan who gets brought into sex trafficking and now she's got to give herself to the king and the yeah. king can take advantage of her. What in the world is happening here? And like, I, I get, these are tough discussions. These are tough issues. It's, it's scripture though. We're just working through the passage. Yeah. And it does get better, by the way. Like it's not, it's not this, this mature rated every week. But the, the, the reality is that there, there are moments in your life when you just go, God, are you even here? Mm -hmm. God, I, I don't feel you. I don't see you. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why, why do you have me in this situation? And um, it's really important for us to realize that when things don't make sense from the lower story, when God feels absent, he's still here, yeah. Yeah. you know, and um, that's what Jesus said mm -hmm. in, in Matthew 28, where it was right after the resurrection. It's literally the same chapter. And at the end, when he's given the great commission to his disciples and he's saying all these things to him, give him the great commission. But he, he has this line at the very end, and it's kind of how Matthew closes. And he says, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Yeah. And one thing that's different for Esther than it is for us as Christians is that we always have Jesus with us because yeah. we have his Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, Cole, maybe you can talk about this a little bit, just kind of as we we close and wrap up. Uh, Jesus gave a really weird talk to his disciples his last, his last night before he was crucified. And he told him, he said, it's going to be better for you guys if I leave. Yeah. Um, because the, the helper is going to come to you. Yeah. And yeah. that's the Holy Spirit. But, but how does that make sense? It, it didn't make sense to the disciples, but how does that make sense to us? That God is with us in every situation and everything we're going through. And then you can kind of just wrap us up and maybe Kelly can, can pray us out, all right? Okay. I hope this doesn't take us on too much of a rabbit trail, but I, I know a lot of times, even in my own life, there's been times where I, I just want to see God, right? Like, I, I just wish sometimes that, instead of Kelly, it was Jesus, right? Like, I, you know? No offense, Kelly. No, but, no offense. But we'd all be for that. Like, sometimes I just wish you were Jesus. No. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, but there's times where, God, I, I just need to see you do a miracle, and we think that if we saw Jesus in person, we think that if we saw a miracle, that that would, that would make us believe. And we forget that even when Jesus was here on earth, he did miracles and people walked away and missed it and didn't see him. And so we think that that's what we need, but it's not. Jesus says, actually, you need the Holy Spirit and, and he will help you and he will guide you. And there's this promise from Jesus that we have everything we need in the Holy Spirit. And, and for, for me personally, that, that it's so comforting. It's comforting to know that I don't have to make a decision by myself. When I decided where I needed to go to college, even though that my parents were a little hesitant, I had the Holy Spirit as my comforter and as my guide, and, and I could follow him faithfully. And when I decided that, that 
that it was time to marry Allison. I, I didn't have to make that decision by myself and my own strength and power. I had the Holy Spirit to guide me and to comfort me. And, and the reality is the Holy Spirit is there for every single Christian. It doesn't matter if you've made wrong decisions or, or, or bad decisions. If you want to make the best decisions, then trust the Holy Spirit. Because you can't make the best decisions by yourself. But if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you have that helper with the guarantee that it will lead you exactly where God wants you to be. Um, and so my encouragement for each and every one of you through this pandemic and through this time is, is read John 14, right? You've got this, this Holy Spirit that will be your comfort. And so for you, have you asked God why he has you here? Have you asked God, hey, why, why is this happening right now? Maybe this is an opportunity for God to lead you through the Holy Spirit into something. Maybe you're talking to people you haven't been talking to for a while, talking to some old friends just because maybe you're bored. But maybe God is waiting to use this situation. The Holy Spirit is waiting to guide you. You just haven't asked yet. And, and I, I can almost promise you that if you wake up, you watch this Sunday morning, and at the end of this message, I, I would just, maybe, maybe Kelly, you, you pray this too, over us all, that we're all more attentive to the Holy Spirit. But, but pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to guide you today. Because you're not going to see Jesus in person. You're not going to see him come up and feed 5,000 people, but you don't need that. You have everything you need in the Holy Spirit. So because you have what you need, use what you have, um, and, and the promises will guide you into, into some life-changing things. That's a good right. word. That's I like great. that. That's awesome. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for um, our time today, for this, um, this crazy story of Esther and how we see your hand upon it. Um, just like Cole was talking about um, we, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and we just pray that we would um, just take notice of what you're doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Um, God, we just pray that we would take this opportunity to be intentional with, with people that you've placed in our life, that we'd be intentional with the time that you've given us to slow down, to ask these hard questions, to, to make sure that we're really tuning in to what you have for us, that we're in your word and... Um, we're being the light, you know, that we talked about today, that we are in this world for a purpose. You have things that you want each of us to do and that we would just continue to be the light. Um, God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for, for Jesus, for coming, for dying on that cross for us. Um, he made it possible for the Spirit to come and to reside in us. And um, just what a great opportunity we have to be the light for, for you and for the kingdom. God, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.